0: London Calling. London Walks Connecting. This is London. Story time. History time. Yes, London Walks, aka Streets Ahead. It's January 24th, 2024. And yes, can you hear it? Those are waves upon waves you're hearing in the background. The surf of the Indian Ocean, flapping away. Anyway, once again, it's pro-time. Pro, P for pin, R for random, O for ongoing. The new story pinned to the front end of today's podcast has to be the foul-mouthed parrots up in Lincolnshire. What naughty boys and girls Billy, Eric, Tyson, Jade, and Elsie are... They joined the Lincolnshire Wildlife Park's colony of 200 gray parrots in August. The five of them were extremely potty-mouthed from the get-go. They came in and started teaching their swear words to the 200 established residents who had Sunday school vocabularies until the roughs arrived. One keeper said, it just went ballistic. They were all swearing. They swore at visitors as well as staff. Steve Nichols, the CEO of the Wildlife Park, said, I get called a fat twat every time I walk past. Mr. Nichols said, When a parrot tells you to fuck off, it amuses people very highly, but we've had to separate them from the other birds because they're such a bad influence. Now, as for a random, as a lot of you know, the former editor of ITN, Stuart Purvis, now guides for London Walks. Stuart's a big deal. The Guardian describes him as one of the architects of modern television news. Anyway, when he retired, Stewart wrote an important book on Guy Burgess, the British diplomat and Soviet double agent. Once a month, Stewart guides a Spies of Hampstead, the KGB and NW3 walk for us. Now, in the event, we're currently working on a poster for Stuart. And in consequence, I've been thinking about his book, Thinking About Guy Burgess. And in the way of these things, one submerged memory broke free from its anchor and floated to the surface. The one about the death of Guy Burgess's father. The future turncoat's father, Commander Malcolm Burgess, was a naval officer who felt that his promise was never quite fulfilled. The highest ranks remained out of reach, that sort of thing. Stewart speculates that maybe some of the commander's resentment was passed on to his son. Be that as it may, Guy Burgess's father died of a heart attack while making love to his wife. His 13-year-old son, Guy, claimed to have found his mother pinned down under the commander's body just after the cardiac event happened. I suppose you could say that biographical detail is pinned to one's mind once you encounter it. Okay, here's our ongoing. I'm going to do one of the statues in Trafalgar Square. George Washington. It's in front of the eastern end of the National Gallery. And I think this might be the first of two calls we'll make on that statue. It was a gift to this country by the Commonwealth of Virginia in 1921. That was a time when, suddenly, London was sprouting statues of American presidents all over the place. The one of Lincoln in Parliament Square had pitched up just months before. Why then? What was going on then? My every instinct tells me that's a happenstance that's worth drilling down into. So that might mean London Calling will come calling on George Washington at some future date as well. After all, this is a man who gave his name to the capital city of the United States and to one of the 50 states and to 31 counties and many towns, neighborhoods, natural features, and institutions. And that's without getting into the really arresting stuff Washington's being a slave owner, the double importance of July 4th to the Washington story, etc. Well, consider that a trailer. For here, now, today, I'd just like you to see the Washington statue with my eyes, with a guide's eyes. To start with, if you're an American and you're feeling homesick, you can get some relief by going and standing next to the Washington statue. George I, as I sometimes call him, was not best pleased with this country, despite his thoroughgoing English ancestry. He vowed that he'd never set foot in England again. When the Commonwealth of Virginia presented the statue to this country in 1921, they remembered that vow. They didn't just send the statue along, they also sent along a load of Virginia soil so Washington could stand on American dirt. And the other thing you must do is take a close look at his right arm. It's resting on a sheave of staves. They're fasces. It's a Latin word, a Roman word. When the Romans conquered a place, they'd hold a parade. At the front of the parade, there'd be a Roman legionnaire carrying a portable flogging and beheading kit. The flogging kit was a bunch of staves. You misbehaved, committed a minor crime, you'd be flogged with one of those staves. In the middle of that bunch of staves was an ax. You committed a serious crime, a capital crime, you'd have your head chopped off with that axe. It was a naked, concise crystallization of power. It showed the people the Romans had conquered, who was boss, and what would happen to them if they didn't toe the line. And of course, from that Latin word for those staves, fascis, we get the modern word fascism. Mussolini realized that if he could create a state that combined three elements, namely the government, the big corporate interests, and the populace. That third element was the trickiest to get on board. A successful fascist state has to find a leader who can get the hoi polloi, the lower orders, behind him, get them doing his bidding. Anyway, Mussolini realized that if he could create a state that wove together those three powerful elements, he would be a force, a state, to be reckoned with. And the most interesting thing about the fasces, the staves, that Washington is cradling in the arch of his right arm, is their number. There are 13 of them. There, has the light bulb gone on? Thought so. That's right. There were 13 colonies. And each of those colonies was, by itself, pathetically weak and little and infirm. When I'm guiding the statue, if I've got one of my walking sticks with me, I hold it up and I say... It would be easy for me to snap this walking stick in half across my leg. But if I have 13 of them together, that would be impossible. Well, the same goes for those 13 colonies. Each of them by itself was weak, especially in a face-off against the superpower of the day, Great Britain. But 13 of them together could be strong. So there you go. Look for those staves, those fasces, the next time you're face-to-face with the man in Trafalgar Square who was a general, a president, and in those capacities, the most important founder of his nation. The only person in Trafalgar Square, unless you're toe-to-toe with him, who's standing on American soil. You've been listening to This is London, the London Walks podcast. You want them guiding for you, not for somebody else. Bears repeating, the way we're structured, a guides cooperative is the key to the whole thing. It's the reason for all those awards. It's the reason people who know go with London walks. It's the reason we've got a big following, a lively, loyal, discerning following. Quality attracts quality. It's the reason we're able, uniquely, to front our walks with accomplished, in many cases, distinguished professionals. By way of example, the aforementioned Stuart Purvis, the former editor and subsequently CEO of Independent Television News, and Lisa Honan, who had a distinguished career as a diplomat. Lisa was the governor of St. Helena, the island where Napoleon breathed his last and, some say, had his penis amputated. Napoleon didn't feel a thing, if things the most used, he was dead. Stuart and Lisa, both of them CBEs, are just a couple of our headline acts. Or take our Ripper Walk, it's the creation of the world's leading expert on Jack the Ripper, Donald Rumbelow, the author of the definitive book on the subject. Britain's most distinguished crime historian, Donald is, in the words of the Jack the Ripper A to Z, internationally recognized as the leading authority on Jack the Ripper. Donald's emeritus now but he's still the guiding light on our Ripper Walk. He curates the walk, he trains up and mentors our Ripper Walk guides, fields any and all questions they throw at him. The London Walk's aristocracy of talent, its all-star team of guides, includes a former London mayor, It includes the former chief music critic for the Evening Standard. It includes the chair of the Association of Professional Tour Guides and the former chair of the Guild of Guides. It includes barristers, doctors, geologists, museum curators, archeologists, historians, university professors, criminal defense lawyers, Royal Shakespeare Company and national theater actors, a bevy of MVPs. And that's by way of saying good walking and good Londoning, one and all. See you next time.